Welcome to One Size Does Not Fit All with One Life Tribe. We're sponsored by Renourish. Renourish are delicious grab-and-go fresh soups in a pioneering, heatable, fully recyclable bottle. Renourish soups are plant-based, gluten-free, dairy-free and packed with vitamins. Find them in all Waitrose stores. Hi and welcome to the WLT podcast, One Size Does Not Fit All with myself, Kat. Um, I'm going solo today um, because uh, Liberty has had children sent home from school. So it's always a little bit crazy, as you know, when with everything that's going on at the moment in lockdown. So I'm lucky enough because I have met today's guest already. We met through another a kind of inspirational um, Facebook group and then we decided to meet and have a chat and actually... Our first chat went on for hours, so I think by that point we knew we were getting on very well. Um, so today's guest is called Simon Ong, and he is going to tell you what he does, but I'm going to tell you first of all that he is a coach. He's an award-winning coach. He's also a keynote speaker, but he's also he's a really special guest because he's spoken to so many people. But I'm going to say hello to you, Simon, and I'm going to pass over and let you tell everybody what you do. Welcome, Simon. Thank you very much, Kat, for having me on your show here. Uh, and uh, yeah, I will give a quick introduction to what I do, which I think would naturally lead into how I got to do what I do today. Because for me, I feel it's a privilege to do what I do, uh, to get to coach some really inspirational individuals to help them transform and unleash their deepest potential. For me, that is the real beauty of the work I do today is to basically help them realize deep down what is it they want to manifest in reality and that was how i started and then the work i do that includes speaking it includes writing it includes partnering with some other brands to uh, share what i do with their employees uh, and their audiences so that's what i do today it wasn't always like that uh, i didn't start my career in uh, the work i do today but it began in 2007 i had just graduated from university and i remember sitting in the lobby at a big corporate firm in Canary Wharf thinking this was it you know <laughs> this is the beginning uh, of my career this is the time when things start working out and the reason I say that is because the previous few years were particularly challenging for me pre sort of 2007 I had lost my mom uh, I had failed my second year of university so I had to resit uh, that year so a three-year degree became a four-year degree and so sitting in the lobby on the first day at work uh, I felt this was a this was a good moment for me I managed to land a job despite failing my second year of university despite all the challenges I had to overcome and now it was about showing that I could build a career that I could do something with my life now unfortunately the industry that I started in uh, was in the financial services uh, and that was a year before the global financial crisis took hold. And even worse, the company that I was sitting in the lobby in to begin my career with was Lehman Brothers, oh, which went bankrupt in September 2008. So it was a very surreal beginning to my career. And how did you feel at that time? What were the feelings in you? You were like, this is brilliant. And then you know <laughs> that it was coming, you know, or was it just sudden? How did they break the news to you? Yeah, it was really weird. Looking back, it was, it was certainly surreal. So June, July of 2007, when I started, it was full of excitement. Uh, you know, you have these hopes, these dreams, these aspirations as someone who's just starting their career after leaving university. 
And then September, October 2007, uh, we had a number of companies that started collapsing in America. And then in January 2008, uh, the year in which the global financial crisis really took hold, I remember coming into the office every afternoon when the American stock markets opened. And all I would see on the screens that were plastered all across the floor that I was working on was our share price getting hit again and again and again. So just a one-way stream downwards of the stock price. And what I just started, I was kind of feeling for the seniors, the people that had spent years in this organization who had some of their compensation tied to the performance of the share price and just seeing it decline week after week after week. And for me, the moment that I knew that the firm was in deep trouble was a couple of months before the bankruptcy. I remember the European head, he took the entire floor into one of the biggest meeting rooms on that floor. And there was a big brown uh, sort of wooden desk in, in the center, sort of a meeting table in the center of this room. He took off his shoes and, and keep in mind, this is a white head guy. You know, he's been in the industry for many years. He's a veteran of the industry. He takes off his shoes, undoes his tire, and he climbs onto the table while all of us are around the edges of the table to fit into the room. And he walks around trying to rally the troops. He walks around telling everyone we will survive. But deep down, I knew he was probably just passing on the company message from top. Yeah. And that I don't think he really believed it. And at that point, I knew we were in trouble. I, I didn't quite believe it would enter bankruptcy, but I knew we were in trouble. And at that moment, I had to start looking for a plan B. God, it's like, it's like when you talk about it, it's like, it's like I'm watching the big short kind of come out of you. It's like a movie, isn't it? I'm just like, oh, I can see it. I've got visualization of how that was. And it actually kind of gives me goosebumps because I remember that kind of time and it was the uncertainty actually was huge. Mm. Um, you know, and so, so just going back, you know, you repeated a year of university, didn't you? And, you know, and for some people's families are like, what, you're doing another year, but you did another year. And like you said, you know, you, you had lost your mum, and that's a huge, huge mm. thing for a, you know, a young person to lose a parent. Mm. Um, was that the impact that it had on your university years? Did you just, what happened? <laughs> It's interesting because if I look back, there may have been many facts. I mean, that was obviously one factor. Uh, but looking back, I joke now. I mean, we can always joke looking in hindsight, but I joke to a lot of friends and family now that maybe it was the universe guiding me and telling me that I wasn't meant for employment or academia because not only had I failed my second year of university, I had started work at a company that went bankrupt 12 months later. The next company I moved into after Lehman Brothers restructured uh, just over two years later and I was out of a job again. And I moved to a third place and that division got shut down because the company was fighting a lawsuit in America. And so I was out of a job again. And so I look back at these series of events and I joke that, it's probably the universe trying to subtly hint at me that I wasn't meant to be doing the path I originally took, uh, that I was doing something maybe others wanted of me. And, uh, and that was my definition of success growing up in a traditional Chinese family. It was once you graduate from university, success was defined by you being a banker, doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant. So maybe it was the universe trying to tell me this path of success, this version of success isn't quite for you, Simon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. You say when you look back, that's exactly what you'll be kind of, you know, it's, it's good to see. But at the time, you can't. So, you know, that part of that is like being conscious to something, isn't it? It's like, 
I wasn't, I was just focused, focused on that thing, that journey that I thought I was meant to do. Mm. Um, but that's, that's really interesting. So then tell us, so you've gone through Lehman's, you've, like you said, you've gone for a couple of other companies. When was the moment you realized that you were going to do something for you? This was, this was your opportunity. Sure. So I would think uh, it would rather than sort of uh, wake up one moment and think, yeah, this is it. I've got to do something different. And what I do today is it. And I think that really happens for all of us. We don't wake up one morning and we have that epiphany. Usually it happens from a series of events or a series of things that build up to uh, a, a decision to change where you are. For me, one of the first catalysts was in the second job I was in, it, it was grueling in terms of the hours I, I was working, in terms of the uh, work that was demanded of me in terms of the lifestyle. I will be the first in around 6.30, 6.45 in the morning in the second job after Lehman. I'll be the last out, often not until maybe 9 or 10 o'clock in the evening. Gosh. Because of the long hours, I couldn't cook meals. You know, I didn't have any time by the time I got home to cook. So my diet was fast food. It was greasy breakfast. It was uh, bagel factories. You know, sort of anything I could get my hands on to satisfy my diet, which wasn't healthy at all. Uh, little sleep, bad diet and not time to exercise. So it was a recipe for disaster. It got so bad uh, towards Christmas one year uh, that I remember coming home after the London Underground uh, had severe delays. And it took me a while to get home because of the delays. Once I got home, I got a phone call from the New York office and said, Simon, we need you back in the office uh, because there's an issue here in New York. We can't get into the office because of snowfall in New York. So we need you to do some stuff in London end to make sure we get some, uh, some of the deadlines sorted. And so after having just come back home after hours because of delays, I had to get back into London uh, to sort something out. And at that moment, I realized if this was going to cost me my health physically, mentally, and spiritually, it's not worth it. it it's not worth it. And so uh, a few weeks later into the new year, I handed in my resignation. It just got to the point where enough was enough. Uh, it was weird because the moment I handed in my resignation, it wasn't like I had a plan B. Uh, it wasn't like I had another job lined up. I, I, I literally just handed in my resignation. And I knew I just had to take some time off. I had to take some time off to catch up with sleep, uh, to recover, uh, to just spend some time alone. That was the moment when, in hindsight, you know, maybe I should have had a plan B, but at the time, it was just a question of getting out there. Yeah. So that meant I was in a position in which I, I was out of a job for 10 months. Those 10 months were painful, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. You know, when you've got no income coming in and all that's happening is your money is going out. You know, you've still got to pay the rent. You've still got to pay the bills. You've still got to put food on the table. But actually, those 10 months were another useful catalyst to helping me get to where I am today. I now had the time, finally, I now had the time to sit down and begin doing deep self-exploration to understand now what my definition of success was, what fulfillment looked like, and what sort of impact I wanted to have without any other external influence because my, you know, my mum had already passed away years ago. My dad was now out of the country. He was, he was working in Trinidad at the time, so I didn't have any of those external pressures. Yeah. In fact, I also took a risk. I didn't tell my dad at the time that I was out of a job because I knew and I can empathize a lot of parents would worry when when, when the child is out of a job and the best thing they want them to do is get a job quick uh, did to, you to just continue saying no I'm going into the office exactly <laughs> so I can't I just, come on Friday I'm still in the office 
exactly. I just kind of brush it aside and say, yeah, work's going good. You know, sort of very vague. You know, work's going good. Things are going well. You know, I haven't got any promotions yet, but you know, it's ticking along nicely. So try to avoid it as much as I could. And I would use this time just to start changing my environment, you know, changing what I was reading, uh, go to events, meet different people, uh, watch videos on YouTube or webinars that could teach me new things. Because once I started reflecting on these questions, it opened up a whole lot of ideas that I wanted to explore. Uh, I realized as part of this exercise, how life how short life truly is. Uh, and I think once we understand, I mean, we all know life is short. We all know deep down how short life is, but few of us really appreciate it. I think if we really appreciate it, we would make very different decisions. Yeah. And I think once I started to appreciate it, I was able to begin channeling my energy uh, into truly living. Uh, and so that's when I started exploring things. I became more experimental. Uh, I started, uh, you know, I started a food business. I started an affiliate marketing business. Now, these things didn't work out, uh, clearly, because I didn't talk about them or do anything with them today, uh, but they were very important steps. Even though they failed and they, they didn't work out in the end, they taught me a hell of a lot. Uh, you know, they taught me a lot about business. They taught me a lot about marketing, the skills that I'm now able to leverage uh, for what I do today. Yeah, that's fascinating because you have to fail to succeed. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's what you're good. And, and I like the fact that you're so honest about that as well. It's just like, I tried these things, they didn't work, but actually <laughs> if I hadn't tried them, I wouldn't be able to do X, Y, and Z. Totally. So I think it's about embracing failure because what I think we don't realize is that when I look back, there's, there's been lots of challenges, you know, some of the ones we've already talked about, about university, about my first job, about the second job, about even the businesses I mentioned that I started early on. But actually what it, what it tells us is that in our hardest moments, in our most challenging moments in our life, those are essential because it is in these times that we learn the wisdom, the insight and skills to create the best times of our life. It's, it's the very experience we need in order to come back stronger. Absolutely. I mean, I listening to you here, you are so inspirational because actually, Simon, you went through quite a lot mm. at quite a young age and you kept going though. It's just, I'm going to keep going. And then, <laughs> and then you dropped and then you were like, hold on, I need to probably sleep for a month and then I'm going to come back out here and I'm going to figure this all out. But, but your wisdom came in quite well though. You know, you really, you really started listening, didn't you? You really started trying new things and, and at an early age you were wise very wise to definitely and, and it reminds me as we speak now cat it reminds me of this uh, famous quote by by jim Rohn. he once said that formal education will make you a living self-education can make you a fortune and i think that if we end up learning and reading the same books as everyone else we're never going to think differently we're never going to think creatively or innovatively we're only going to think like everyone else thinks and so when I had this moment to create, if you will, my own curriculum, to go out and pursue what I was most curious about, you know, it may lead to nothing, but at least I've learned something new. Uh, once I started designing my own curriculum, I was hooked. You know? I was hooked to try and learn everything, you know, whether it was close-up magic, whether it was about leadership, whether it was about uh, financial wealth, all of these different areas I just got really curious about. And I think the more things we can explore within our curiosity, uh, the more creative we become because creativity is nothing more than connecting the dots from different subjects, topics, and themes that we're exposed to. That is essentially creativity and innovation, is our ability to connect things from very different disciplines and to bring them and blend them together 
and that's how innovation happens yeah that's yeah that's amazing advice for people so tell us how how you started coaching how did how did that kind of come in when did you take the plunge and you started you know working as an executive coach Sure. So if I sort of go back to uh, university and run the other part of my life, which was running parallel to this financial career, uh, I think the signs of coaching started early on, but I wasn't ready to listen to it. Uh, You know, often deep down, we already know what we want, but we tend to suppress it through the ego or through the noise in our our mind. So when I was at university, uh, I was part of an investment club. Uh, in my second year of university. Uh, And the only reason I joined this investment club was because I felt it would increase my chances of landing a job in the city. Right, okay. Uh, So so it wasn't actually something you wanted to do? No, not really. It was more, I guess it was more a strategic choice rather than, uh, you know, something out of passion. Uh, And I remember, as you do when you join a university society at the beginning of each academic year, once you've got your new members into the society, the committee has then got to go out and inform them of what your plans are for the year ahead. And I remember I was part of that committee. There was about eight of us behind the curtain, if you will, on stage before we had to go out and present what our plans were for the year for this this community we created. And at that time, all the people backstage were saying, oh, you go first, you speak first, and you speak first. No one wanted to go and speak first on stage. And I said, you know, I'll go and do it then. You know, we've got to start the show. We can't delay the show already. So I said, I'll go and do it. And so I walk on stage and I speak to the audience. And from that moment, I realized that I actually enjoy speaking. I actually enjoy going onto stage. I don't get the nerves that many people often get. If anything, it's more excitement. Uh, I get sort of that adrenaline rush when I get onto stage. And in that audience, little did I know there was a guy uh, who had just quit Goldman Sachs. So he was a managing director of Goldman Sachs. And he just quit Goldman Sachs to start a career coaching company. And he approached me after the event and he said, Simon, can we grab a beer in, uh, in the pub around the corner? I said, sure. You, you know, as a student, you have a lot of time in your hands. So it wasn't <laughs> like I was rushing off to anywhere. And he said to me, I, I really enjoyed your style. I really enjoyed the energy you had. Uh, I've just started a careers company. I've left the banking industry where I made it to managing director. Uh, And I think you could help some of the students that we are coaching to land jobs in the city. And uh, I said, well, yeah, I I know. And I said, I'll tell you what, if all I have to do is do interview simulations to students across some of the best universities in the UK and help them present better, that sure beats working in Tesco's. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, yes. And so I initially did it for the money. You know, as a student, you need money to pay the bills and Pay for your and, uh, and so I initially did it for the money. But when I found that I was still doing this on the side of my full-time job, when I eventually finished university, when I went to Lima, when I went through these jobs in and out of different jobs, I found I was still doing the coaching, even though it was more like pocket money by then rather than something that could pay something significant out of my expenditure. But I realized I moved away from seeing it as just a money generator to something that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, and so when I was uh, out for those 10 months, uh, I began to look at exploring, is that something that I could monetize? Because that was the only other area I thought I had an interest in. Um, and so in 2012, I enrolled on a coaching qualification, uh, did that, completed it within about 18 months. Uh, and then it was probably a couple of years after that, that I decided now I want to test if I can switch myself from being an employee to an entrepreneur, if I can switch industries from the financial industry to the coaching industry. Yeah. And that transition happened over a couple of years. I was able to uh, 
move into a final job uh, before I uh, left the industry, one in which the hours were far better. Uh, I, I basically chose a job in which I would have nicer hours so I could focus on the transition, uh, but also it wasn't something that was going to take up too much of my time that I could do fairly well. Uh, and that gave me the time to start building the transition. If you will, uh, something I often share, Kat, is in order to escape your nine to five, uh, it, it, it is determined by what you do in your five to nine. Yeah. And so oh, it was after good, yeah. work, it was weekends. How was I using that time effectively to increase the chances of me moving away from that and into something that really made me feel alive? Yeah, gosh, that's, that, that's fantastic. So who did you start working with, first of all? How did so you develop? I, yeah, when I first started working, uh, it, it was like, I guess, with anyone when they start their new business, there's anyone that wants to be coached, I'll coach you. Uh, <laughs> whatever you want to be coached on, yes, I'll coach you. Uh, and it was more to build my experience. And, yeah. and so I would simply share with friends uh, that if you know anyone that would like to be coached, uh, then I was offering you know, a, a discounted rate at X, uh, just in order to build my experience, in order to build my confidence uh, in the coaching. So that's how we started, just started coaching uh, a number of people at the beginning to sort of build my experience. Uh, and then as that went on, because I started the coaching actually while I was still in the full-time job. So I was coaching these people uh, outside of work or during my lunchtime or on weekends. Um, and it wasn't until sort of 2013, 2014, when I landed two CEOs and I said to myself, I can't keep up both appearances anymore. You know, I don't have the time now to give good enough service to my clients that I just enrolled and do well in my full-time job. Yeah. Something's got to give. So I got to this point where I had to make a decision. And it was really interesting because if I decided to pull the plug on my full-time job and then move into entrepreneurship, I knew it wouldn't be that easy because physically it sounds easy. You just give up one, you do the other. But what we tend to underestimate is the mental challenge, the mental challenge from thinking as an employee in which, you know, you can have a sick day, you can go on holiday, but you're still paid. Yeah. To thinking entrepreneurially where if you don't work, if you have no clients, well, you have no money. So it's two very different mindsets uh, to, to operate from. And I remember once I resigned, I, I, I finished off after a couple of months after that. And my resilience was tested again because the, the couple of clients I had, suddenly a few of them couldn't continue for whatever reason. And so suddenly I was left with just one client. But now I had no job. So, you know, now I had put myself in a position in which it was either I move forward or nothing happens and I'm back to square one. And yeah. so in a way I had no choice but to move forward. And, uh, and so that taught me a lot of lessons. It taught me how to be more resilient, which was actually quite timely because we look at this year, 2020, in which we've been plagued by a global pandemic and lots of people have had to adapt. Uh, those early experiences have given me you know, that foresight or that understanding on how to navigate through uh, circumstances like the ones we're facing at the moment. Yeah, that's so interesting, actually, because a lot of the people I work with are wellness entrepreneurs and obviously a lot of them are used to being with people physically with people and you know a lot of them are having to adapt at the moment to to, to this um, but like you say it is it's almost like starting from the beginning anyway as an entrepreneur isn't it you you have to have so many different hats to mm. to, to fight your way through it but actually what you, what i'm sensing that you're saying here is that if you really want this you have to keep going with it don't you definitely definitely i think yeah, it, it reminds me of another saying. I can't, I can't remember who said it off my head, but it says, the bigger the why, 
the easier the how. The bigger the why, the easier the how. When something means something to you, if it's something you really want to make happen, you will always find a way. If not, you will find an excuse. And something that I've learned through my own journey is that excuses will always be there for you, but opportunity won't. Opportunity won't. So, you know, when you've got that idea, when you've got that inspiration to move forward, leverage it, move forward, test it, try it, take your first step. Because I'm sure we've all been in this position where you have a great idea and you think, imagine what could happen if I put this into action, if it works out. But because you do nothing about it, a few years later, you might read in the papers or you might see on social media that someone else has done exactly the same thing you were planning to do. And, and that's, the, that, that's the thing about inspiration is that inspiration will always bless you at some point. It will spark a curiosity inside of you. But it doesn't care who takes action. It just wants someone to take action with the inspiration. If you don't, it will go and bless someone else with the inspiration. And if they take action, then they get to benefit. And so that's what I've learned over time is that if you really want something, you will find a way. And persistence is a key trait in any journey, especially when you're looking to build a business, move into a new career, try something new, uh, embark in a world of uncertainty, is persistence can paralyze resistance. The more persistent you are, the less resistance will have a power over you. Yeah. I, I guess some people listening might be like, but I'm in a situation, I have a family. Um, how do I get over that wall of fear, you know, to take the limit off me, you know, because sometimes they're thinking about the other people around them. Mm. They want to do their dream, but is it so risky that I can't? Um, but I think that there's some, there are different steps for everybody because we're all different, aren't we? Definitely. And I think that's one thing to realize when we listen to stories, when we, when we read books, when we hear about uh, success stories, is that keep in mind that that is how that individual went from A to B. It doesn't mean you have to follow the exact steps because we all have different constraints. We all have different lifestyles. Some have family, some don't have family. Some are in relationships, some are not. Uh, but the key is to question how can you do it? And for me, what I've understood is that it is always possible. It is always possible for everyone who says they, uh, you know, they can't run a business or they can't change career because they got a family. You just have to look at the TV and you hear stories of a single mom who's raising three children on her own after getting divorced, uh, who's trying to make ends meet, but who has achieved so much uh, while doing all of that. And yeah. you realize that actually it, it is possible. It's yeah. whatever we put our mind to, we can achieve. Uh, but it simply reflects on how do I do it? How can I do it in the best possible way that doesn't also sacrifice what is important to me? So if family is important to you, it's spending time with family is important. How can you work around that? And I am sure there is always ways that you can. It's the same thing when people say, well, sleeping early is a luxury uh, because I have to do X, Y, Z or I've got children. But deep down, I know many people who say that, but the real reason it's because they're scrolling aimlessly through their phone. They're watching endless TV series on Netflix, but they're using that often as excuses rather than real reasons. That's my, that's my sort of thoughts on that, because I think if it means something to you, you will find a way. You, you yeah. know, if, for example, your, your child needs you or uh, you have something on the line in your job that you have to deliver with a deadline of tomorrow, you find a way to get it done, even if it's an all-nighter to get that work submitted you find a way. Uh, and so we've got to work out how to have that much urgency, 
in our own dreams, in our own hopes and aspirations. Yeah, and I think also with people as well, they have to, some people have issues with how they see money, don't they, as well? And that becomes a limiting thing within itself. Um, so I, I have, you know, probably years ago, I would say I had a different, a different money mindset to how I have one now. And actually taking the plunge and doing my own business has helped me kind of get over that, I guess. And it's just like, because actually you just, if you want money, you can have money. It's, it's around you. Mm. You know, if I said to you today, you know, go make a hundred pounds in your house, you could mm. find probably five things in your house that you could um, sell, couldn't you? You know, it's about having that mindset to just really, you can do it. You don't have to block yourself. Totally. I think that mindset is, is so key. I mean, Money is actually one of the biggest causes, uh, I think, of mental health. A lot of people, when they have money issues, they can't think straight or it worries them if they're in debt, if they have uh, you know, multiple credit cards where, where they're over their limits or overdrawn. It can cause a lot of personal issues. But I think mindset is so important to uh, approach money with. You know, there's a great example I share about Richard Branson. You know, if you were to, let's say you are employed right now, and Richard Branson was going to switch positions with you. So for one year, you earned Richard Branson's salary. And for one year, Richard Branson earned your salary in your full-time job. How quickly do you think Branson would turn your yearly salary into something bigger? Right. Pretty quickly, right. I can imagine. Yeah. Pretty quickly. But yeah, he's in the same position you are in because he switched roles. The only difference is his mindset. Yeah. It's how he's thinking, it's how he's seeing the world, it's how he's seeing opportunity. Too often we limit ourselves via our own thoughts. And so it is ourself that is our biggest obstacle, whether it's money, whether it's career, whether it's uh, you know, relationships, often we are our biggest obstacle in making real progress forward. That is, that's such a good way of um, seeing something actually. And that really, um, I've never heard anybody say that before, actually. So I think that's a really good example to kind of to put forward. And it really does show it is all in the mind, doesn't it? Mm. Um, I think that's what, that's what people forget about any sort of journey is often too many of us are fixated on the outcome. Uh, you know, when we start something, the goal might be to get that promotion, to make a million dollars, uh, to have financial freedom. We're often too fixated on the outcome that we forget that it is not the outcome that matters, but it is who you must become in order to get close to that outcome. The outcome is just more of a guide. It's more of sort of a target, if you will. But it's the changes that are required of you to be the person that can achieve it. Yeah, no, that's, it makes complete sense. Um, so you yourself now, your career is thriving. You've done really, really well. You know, you've been interviewed on Sky News, BBC, you know, you've been in Forbes and you've spoken at some really successful events, haven't you? Um, because you have continued to just keep putting yourself out there and, you know, you've done, I, I, didn't you do something with one of the dragons from D Dragon's Den as well? Yeah, so for the last two years, uh, I've been invited as one of the keynote speakers at the Peter Jones Enterprise Festival. Uh, so Peter Jones, one of the longest standing dragons uh, in the Dragon's Den TV series. The uh, tallest started, man ever. Yeah. <laughs> he started a uh, festival called Enterprise Festival, uh, which he sees as the Glastonbury for uh, sh you know, young entrepreneurs. 
Yeah. And how, how is it? Is it brilliant? I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, if I'm honest, I was more inspired uh, by these, you know, I guess, next generation entrepreneurs sharing their ideas, uh, sharing what they're doing within uh, entrepreneurship and just seeing them go at it. And, and this is what the event is for. It's uh, part of Peter Jones's foundation to recognize these young entrepreneurs and to give them the opportunities to uh, build something out of their ideas. Do you see like the young generation coming up with ideas that we've never seen before? Did you see anything that really stood out? I think at a general level, Kat, I think the younger generation are certainly much more entrepreneurial than we ever were. And, and I think the reason for that is because the internet has leveled the playing field. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, I didn't have access to the internet until I was mid-late teenager. Uh, nowadays, you're getting children exposed to the wonders of the internet at such a young age. Yeah. So in a way, we now live in a world where it doesn't matter if you are eight years old or 80 years old, uh, you can still publish a video on YouTube. You, know, you can still write a blog. You can still share your thoughts with the world. You can speak on a platform. And, and so in a way, they've got access to so much more resources than we ever had. And so for me, it is inspiring just to see how they're taking advantage of, of these resources to build wonderful businesses. Yeah, no, that's... Um... It's, it is fantastic, isn't it? And I think what we'll see is more and more entrepreneurs coming than ever, actually, mm. um, because especially through what we're going through at the moment, people are diversifying. They're thinking about what, what, what it is they can do now. Mm. And I think it's, uh, it's such a different mindset as well, Kat, today. I mean, in my parents' generation, it was, you know, you, you had a job for life or you did one thing, you did one thing well, and that's what you were paid to do. Uh, because of the world we're in now, it's possible to have multiple sources of income. Uh, you, you know, I've, I've got a friend who quit his job as a doctor recently uh, because his five uh, streams of passive income uh, means he's earning over eight times what he does uh, as a junior doctor. Yeah. And again, these are stories you would never have heard of uh, when, when I was younger. Yeah, and there's an irony in that, isn't there? You know, really, um, when you think about the, the health and wellness of everybody around at the moment and how, um, how actually the most important careers don't really probably get valued. Mm. Um, so people who have got drive will not stay in that role. They will go out and try and be inspired somewhere else. Mm. So you say, you, obviously you write writing and you've got some exciting news to tell us, haven't you, about writing? Yeah, so back in July earlier this year, 2020, uh, I finalized a deal with Penguin uh, to publish my first book, which I'm working on at this moment. Uh, so currently in writing phase until the first quarter of next year. Uh, and then that's where we move to the next part. We sort of start editing the final drafts um, with, uh, with a site of publication in spring 2022. Uh, so exciting times and uh, a challenge for me, if I'm honest, uh, because the longest thing I've written before is a social media caption or a newsletter <laughs> blog post. Uh, so it's a challenge, but I'm enjoying it so far. And is there any little snippets you can tell us about what we can expect from your book? Yes, yeah, so I can share at a high level. Uh, beyond that, I think the rest will come out in their uh, official press release. Uh, but at a high level, it will be a book you can find on the self-help smart thinking section of Waterstones. Um, and the angle I'm taking is around energy management. Uh, so how important it is to manage our energy uh, in order to live a happier, healthier life. 
Yeah, no, that, that sounds good. I can't wait for that to come out. So in um, obviously 2020, we talked, you know, this year, you know, you've had a big year yourself, you've become a father. How has that changed what, what it is that you do and how you see the world? Well, I think it's definitely changed me as a person, but for the better. Uh, I think the first thing I noticed in, in the first few months of my daughter being born is I was far more productive than I've ever been. Uh, far more productive than I've ever been. Because when you know you've only got limited hours in a day uh, to, to get work done, you've got to be ruthless in thinking, what are the most important tasks that I need to do? And what can I outsource? Uh, what is not as important? And you, you look to be quick to get it done. You don't you know, procrastinate. Uh, you don't sort of waste your time because you know if you don't use that time to do what's most important well then the baby's up <laughs> and yes. now you're going to take care of the baby for the rest of the night or <laughs> the next couple of hours so from that point of view it, it certainly improved my productivity uh it's also given me huge boost of motivation uh you know it's deepened my sense of why uh in terms of the work that i do that now it just doesn't go towards my wife and i uh but it goes towards uh, creating a great future for, for my child and maybe children, I don't know yet, but at least for uh, my child uh, to give them the best possible start that I can provide. So if, you know, go, looking to the future now and, you know, your, your she grows up and she, you know, different to your growing up, how will you, you know, if she says, you know, what, what advice would you give her about career? For me, I guess in different to... Uh, my parents and grandparents' generation, uh, and especially having gone through the journey that I've gone through uh, since, uh, since leaving formal education, I think one of the things I would encourage her to do is to explore what she's most curious about. You know, don't let people's opinions sway you either way. You know, when I was young, for example, I wanted to, to be an artist, uh, but I was always told there was no money in it. You know, you wouldn't make an income from it. It's what people do as a last resort. It's what you see uh, people doing in tourist hotspots, painting people's caricatures. Uh, and that obviously swayed my decision away from exploring that. And it's kind of ironic because now when I run my business, I'm able to use my graphic design skills to create uh, social media posts, uh, you know, to sort of create adverts for the events that I run. So that skill has come in handy. So I think one of the advice or I guess uh, things I would do is to encourage her to follow her curiosity, but to tell her, you know, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work out. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work out. All I want you to do is to try because you will look back in your lifetime and you always regret the things you didn't do more than the things that you did. So if you never try, you'll never know. But at least if you fail, you come back with the wisdom that it wasn't for you. Yeah, that's good. And also you've got so much to share with her, haven't you? Um, yeah. About that as well. So, you know, I always believe that, you know, children are our greatest teachers, actually. Um, yeah. And they, you know, they, they do teach you along the way, but it's about what part of um, what part of you you're going to give to them that kind of helps them to grow as well um so what what's next for simon what's going on for you at the moment what's next what are you doing what are, what are your plans for the moment <laughs> so i think for now it's uh, taking each day as it comes i think one of the things i've come to appreciate this year is that you can't predict too much into the future uh mm. where we would be i mean if, you know, again just looking at how crazy this year has been uh, so i'm going to be embracing uh that that popular zen saying 
uh, be attached to an outcome and open to everything. Uh, so right now I'm focused on what I can do in the moment. Uh, I've got ideas of what's in my vision, you know, uh, fingers crossed for a successful book launch and uh, being able to spread the message from what I will be writing in the book to uh, people not just here in the UK but abroad. Uh, and uh, I'm sure there'll be other other activities I'll be starting. Uh, you know, every year I like trying something new. This year it's been writing a book. The uh, other year I was starting a YouTube channel. Uh, who knows where the next few years will, uh, will take me. That's fantastic. So if somebody wants to find out more about you, because I know you've got a membership group and various different places, where can they come and find out more about you? Where can they come and talk to you? Sure. So if you are active on social media, uh, then I'm on all the major social media platforms. So you can check out some of my videos on YouTube. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter and Instagram, my handle is at Simon Alexander O. Uh, also, you can find out more on the coaching work I do on my website, simonalexanderong.com. Uh, and if the online community is something you're interested in, as Kat touched on, uh, simply click the community link on my website and then you can find out more there. Brilliant. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. I think, you know, I personally think you're, you're a very inspiring person. Um, uh, and actually a lot of what you say can resonate and really help people. So I do think um, people tuning in today will get tools to be able to manage and be inspired to move forward. So um, thank you so much, Simon, for coming on as a guest. Um, I hope you've enjoyed our chat. Definitely, Ken. Thank you again for having me on. Brilliant. Thank you. Take care.